Roadshow episode number 290. We're getting, we're getting up there. We're getting up there. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me today. Unfortunately, he is back in Las Vegas, but you know who's here in this place. It's hot tea here on USC Fight Island. Oscar Willis from the World MMA Award nominated The Mac Life. Here we are looking out at our beautiful Fight Island, John, and it is our island. <laughs> we've made it our island with this podcast. We have lived here enough that we are about to have some kind of citizenship here or something. We are doing things a little bit different. I'll touch on that a little bit later, uh, but we'll just kind of get into it. Normally, if you've been listening, you know, as you said, I mean, we, we, we kind of own Fight Island to a degree, at least from a podcasting standpoint, right? I mean, we've certainly done more podcasts from UC Fight Island than anybody else. I, that, I can guarantee. I think that's... I think it's got to be accurate. I do we said get an it. award for that? It's do we true. get an award for that? I think we should. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I said it, therefore it must be true. Normally we set up at Stills, uh, which has kind of become our uh, our office, as we humbly know it. They bring us some frosty beverages, but uh, we got some other things going on today, and I'll, I'll talk to you about that again later. So instead, we're hanging out in the Morgan Suite, I guess. <laughs> I've, I've named it after myself now. It's a, it's, it's a nice suite, but I feel like I've been here long enough, three, like three and a half weeks now, that I can just kind of... Name it after myself. I don't know if anybody else has ever stayed in this room for three and a half weeks before. I would assume not. I would think so. I mean, if you're coming to Abu Dhabi and staying for three and a half weeks, maybe you're bouncing around a little bit. You're probably not staying right here on Yaz Island for three and a half weeks. Well, maybe they just love golf, John. They just can't get enough of <laughs> the golf is, course. It is a beautiful view. I did take a picture at one point. I will say, uh, it's a beautiful view. Three and a half weeks later, I'm ready to not see it anymore. But there is a gorgeous Yaz Lynx golf course right outside my window. Uh, then the water is here that you and I have jet skied on a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, we can we can see the whole line. But it's funny because we've been here so long that if I look out my left a little bit, I've actually been able to see them advancing on this construction project. Oh, yes. Just, like down on the ground, they've been like – when I first got here, I wish I would have taken pictures of it every day. When I first got here, it was just like a, you know, kind of desert ground right there. And they had like an excavator that was digging. Well, since that time, they, they dug the holes – they laid like some concrete and rebar, set it, and like covered it back up. I've, I've seen them like make foundation in the time that I've been here. Yeah, it's funny. Last night, actually, I was just sitting on the balcony and I was looking over, and it was probably about nine or ten at night. Right. And they were still working. It's crazy, right? Yeah. But yeah, well, you know, you probably want to work at night rather than the day here. This is fair. But I'll tell you what, man, the end is definitely near, and uh, you know, the, the the time is almost done on Fight Island, and I feel like we're getting to. The fights that really matter. Not that they haven't been good all along. I mean, hell, we've had the most viral knockout in in UFC history, right? We've had some amazing cards. But this one, this is the main event that I think we were looking forward to in terms of uh, fight night cards. Of course, I'm talking about UFC on ESPN Plus 38, Brian Ortega versus the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung in the main event. Um, And I feel like this is the main event outside of the, the main, main event, event. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Habib and Gaethje, which is one of the biggest fights of the year that we've probably been uh, most looking forward to. I mean, are you, are, you, are, you, are you feeling the, the excitement build that maybe wasn't necessarily there in week two or week three? I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that main event. Um, I think it's so easy when there's so many events, one after the other, one after the other, and we spoke about this before, you can sort of forget the mm-hmm. one that's, that's coming up. But when you see them, you think, oh yeah, Brian, that was a great fight. This time he did that. And then you think, oh, Korean Zombie. And then, it, it instead of the the beef that I'm sure we'll get into, and their little feud, you start thinking about the fight itself, yes. and actually go, oh, this fight has 
a crazy potential. Yeah, you know what, man? This is a weird one, and I didn't want to start on B, but since you touched it, this is a weird one. And okay, look, we all like a little grudge match. We all like a little back and forth. I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of them. Bring <laughs> yeah, them on. Yeah, I believe that Mac Life has touched on one of those <laughs> along the way. You know, look, we like the rivalries. It makes it fun. It makes it a little bit more interesting. But in, in this one. Maybe it's because it involved a third party in between, you know, yeah. with, with Jay Park or what have you. That he really should be here. <laughs> Jay Park should be here. I, maybe, maybe because of that, like, the beef really doesn't mean anything to me. It's more about just the fight itself. Like, I don't yeah. feel this is some kind of like, oh, it's the grudge match we've no, all I been agree. waiting on. You know what I mean? It's just technically I think it's going to be an incredible fight. And what we know about it is that uh, now Dana White has come out and said that, yes, this is going to decide a number one title contender. I think that basically happened yesterday while we were in the middle of media day. Um, so I want to ask you first, should it? Is this the rightful number one contender fight at 145 pounds? Can we – because I think there's arguments – all around it, should we be guaranteeing the winner of this fight a shot at Alexander Volkanovsky? I'm going to say yes, because it seems the world doesn't want to beat Yair to happen. That is fair. If that was booked at the same time, then I would argue it depends who won more definitively. Right. I think that if you wanted to play devil's advocate, I think there's an argument that um, if Korean Zombie wins, for sure. Right. If Ortega wins, maybe there's a case he could get one more because he's been out for so long. Sure. Um, so it does depend on how the win comes for either guy, but I think it's I think that division is in a weird spot with the Holloway Volkanovski dynamic. So really, I think the thinking from the UFC must be just get Volkanovski in another fight, just get it rolling again, and we'll we'll look at Max down the road. But yep. let's try and try and move the division on as quick as we can. See, I'm I'm with you on that, and I think you hit on the proper caveats for me because I'll be honest with you. At first, I think I fell into that camp. I was like, well, wait a minute. Mm. Okay, if Zombie wins, yeah, okay, no brainer. I mean, you look at the two back to back performances he's already had. I mean, the plus his popularity. Yeah. I mean, no brainer. But if Ortega wins, and listen, I'm not taking away from Ortega. I'm, I'm a uh, look. I'm a T City guy. I like Ortega. <laughs> but in my head, I was thinking, well, if he wins, man, he's been out for two years. He's coming off a loss. That's a that's a one fight winning streak into a title fight, which of course we'd never see something silly like that happen before. Of course, but no. <laughs> but at first, so, so my initial thought was like, oh no, that's not right. But you hit on the caveats, and that is, I think that look, if right now Zabit was booked in a fight. Because to me, Zabit is, is probably the next logical contender, right? Mm-hmm. If Zabit was booked into a fight that was, you know, three weeks away or, hell, happening next week at 254, mm-hmm. then, I'm in, then, I'm, then I'm like, whoa, 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 tap the brakes a little bit. But we don't know when Zabit yeah, is going to sure. fight again. And we don't know if Zabit and Yair will ever happen. Um, and you add in the caveat of the fact that if, if Ortega does win, who's the guy he lost to? Well, he lost to Max Holloway. Well, Max Holloway is kind of out of the picture right now. Now we got this new champ. You know, if Holloway was still the champ, then there's no – Then I would agree there's no – I don't think there's any way. Yeah, but so to me, I, I do think, hey, man, whoever comes out of this, unless we get some just – and I don't see how this could happen. I'm going to go ahead and knock on wood even though I'm going to say it. I do not see how this fight could be boring. But I could say, you know, if it's some kind of just absolutely boring yawn fest that maybe the winner shouldn't get it, especially if it's Ortega – but I don't see that happening, and I just don't see anybody else. And as you said, I think Volkanovski is ready, ready, ready to get going. Well, you have to look at your timelines as well, right? And especially with the way the world is at the moment, a lot of the UFC operates on who can be booked where. And I imagine, you know, Dana said they they anticipate they'll be back here in February. I anticipate. I would assume, therefore, Volkanovski's fighting in February. Yep. So, if this fight is a stinker, can they turn around and get Zabit 
in a fight in the next few weeks in Vegas. Boy, well, I don't know. I don't even sure know what, what you do with is. your dominance MMA, right? You, yeah. you try to figure that out. Slide and your guy in there. Get him above them. You know, put him against Cater. Maybe yeah. I know they wanted to beat Holloway. Was talk for a while, but That'd how do you do that? Because in case Holloway wins. But you know, so if if I was to beat in his team, I would be watching this fight, and if it is in somehow bizarre way a, b- a boring fight, I would try and get him booked ASAP and just Smart. cut in line. Yep. Um, and then alternately, you know, if Ortega if Ortega gets in another fight like he did against Holloway, he's not fighting in February. You would assume. Well, I mean, yeah. so fair point. That's that's a good point so too. If this is an absolute war, that's good for Zabit. If it's a dull affair, that's also good for. That's Zabit. a good point too. As I long as you can that. get booked in November, or December. I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Okay, let's start with Brian Ortega. He's been off for almost two years at this point, as you said, man. He went through absolute war. He's had some injuries to deal with. Um, and he's talked a lot about kind of reinventing everything around him. That's always a little bit um, – he always remains a little bit mysterious about it, right? Like yeah. he doesn't quite lay everything out. But I think it's clear that he feels like he had some people around him that were kind of part of the entourage and not necessarily mm-hmm. part of the true family, I guess, you know, the true support system. So he's talked a lot about reinvention. Um, and listen, in two years, you can do a lot of reinvention in terms of just how you fight as well, you know, not just – your attitude and that sort of thing. But I do think a lot of it is, is mental and psychology and that sort of thing. So um, g- give me your initial impressions. Are you ex- are you expecting to see some completely different – I mean, what, what, what do you think we're seeing in terms of, of reinvention? Because he keeps mentioning that, but, but is that mental? Is that physical? Is that tactical? I think it's mental. I don't I – don't th- especially if he's been injured so much. I don't – you know, it's not two years just solidly in the gym. That's it's true. two years of – Some rehab in there. Significant some rehab, in there. yeah. So um, – and you know, reinventing yourself mentally, I think, probably takes time as well. That you you maybe focus on that rather than you do focusing on the gym. I could imagine, you know, him on a yoga mat somewhere for days at a time, doesn't even eat or drink, just sits there. Hum, <laughs> namaste. I uh, could clearly see yeah, that. It's easy. It's easy. He does look like Jesus. Um, I don't know if Jesus did <laughs> yoga or not, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think Ortega is going to look as a fighter the same as he was. It will be interesting to see his attitude. No, I found this whole talk of his attitude change interesting because his attitude got him to the Holloway fight right. in my opinion and, and gave Holloway a, okay Holloway looked incredible in that fight but he gave Holloway a, a vicious third round and mm-hmm. you know you could have argued the momentum was swinging until Holloway pulled it back in um, so I'm curious to see it's a shame that in situations like this they, they can't go into detail about why they, you know he said to uh Jose Young's at the media day said, oh, I knew it was time to lose some people out of my circle when I was in the elevator going into the hospital from the Holloway fight. And I sort of think, well, what did they do yeah. in between the arena and the hospital to make or you realize, like, he's the reason I lost? Yeah, or well, were they just not with him in the hospital elevator? Quite. And I think that's probably, you know, if you were looking into it, I think that's probably... I, I wanted to jump in on that, but I'd already been talking to him for quite a lengthy amount of time, <laughs> so, I, so I didn't do that. But he, uh, yeah, I, I don't know... It, as always, Ortega is kind of a mysterious guy. So I didn't really know how to take it. A lot of people, I was really surprised that uh, some of the feedback was that he was being like a dick at the media day. I didn't think so at all. I didn't think so at all. I, I, I think he's just either. a bit of a weird guy. He is. Well, let's, let's do this. So in, in fact, that's a perfect segue here. I want to play a little bit of the Brian Ortega audio. I just cut out the clip that was just me uh, talking to him. I don't like to take anybody else's uh, content. You know, Even though it's technically for all of us, it's a media day. Uh, I just like to focus on the stuff that you, that you and I put in. So I'll start out with uh, with my conversation with uh, T City and, and let everybody judge for themselves. Feel good, chilling. Just waking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do, we do. We'll talk about it, man. Obviously, it's been a long layoff, man. It's been a while since we got to see you, and, and now you're back. It's fight week. I know you're probably a little tired, as everybody is, with all the you know the, the late nights here. But uh, the adjustments how's it feel back and in fight week? yeah, the adjustments and the fucking cars racing over here all night. 
It's, it's interesting. The cars make it a little, little tough to sleep. But well, see, we don't get the five star treatment over here. Right? Yeah, we're like at Tiki Gossin's, uh Instagram page right now. You'll see what I'm talking about. Nice. Well, outside of those slight headaches, does it? I mean, does it feel like, hey man, fight week again? Like back in the mix of everything again? All this right now, I just walked in. I just felt it. Yeah, like everything's been no people, you know. So just kind of virtual interviews and ever and whatever. So it feels kind of like you're just going through the motions, but it doesn't really feel. Too fight weekish, but yeah, I walked in the room. I didn't expect to see all you guys here, so it's uh, it's cool, man. Does it feel exciting? I mean, even though like it didn't feel like really fight week until now, were you getting that kind of the butterflies, or whatever, that feeling of like being close to a fight again? I mean, were you starting to feel that excitement? No, yeah, I feel it. You're sleeping, you're thinking about it, and fucking waking up, throwing uppercuts and shit, like you know, or, like thinking about the fight and what you're gonna do, and like it's just constantly in your head about. Saturday or Sunday right here, right? But, um, yeah, that's still there. That hasn't left, but the whole media. And, you know, like, the, there's, there's like, a, there's a regular fight stuff, and then there's the other fight stuff that you have to do. So it's, like, that I haven't felt too much of. Right. Um, which is actually kind of, like, a good thing for me. It just kind of lets me focus still more on what, I, what the task that's ahead of me. And, um, yeah. I know so much of this time away has been about reinvention, right? Like things around you, within yourself, all those yeah. things. I mean, it sounds like it's been a lot. I mean, but if there was like one biggest thing or one key thing, is there something you could point to and say, man, this was the most important? I think I just feel free now, man. Yeah, for me, I feel free. Uh, before, I didn't feel free. Um, now, with everything that's happened, I feel free, I feel happy. And uh, for me, ultimately, that's why I joined this, because that's what MMA made me feel like. When I fight, I used to fight for free, you know, like 50 bucks, 100 bucks, like, but I loved it. You know, when I would go in there, I would feel this way. And then somewhere along the lines, I lost it. And then now I got it back. So for me, I'm already, that was a big victory for me, you know, to, to look at my team and say, I'm fucking happy with what we're doing, with how we're living, with how we're reacting with each other. Um, and that for me already is like, yeah, I'm free again. Was it freedom of, of, of losing or freedom of like not feeling like you had to live up to somebody else's expectations of who you're all, all to of be? it, man, all of it. The freedom of losing, the, like you name it, like pressures and all that was there. And then to top it off, some other things that I'll probably never talk about till maybe way later in my life, uh, that happened. Um, all, everything, man, everything. So you get everything going in the right direction, and then all of a sudden we find out days before you get here, like Henry's not going to be around. Um, I thought his message was pretty strong, but how did that affect you? Were you like, what the hell is going on Dude. here, man? He called me like, uh, like at nine something in the morning, and I sleep in. So I was like, he's like, hey man, like, test positive, I can't go. I'm like, yo, stop fucking with me, bro. Like, too early for this shit. Cause you know we're in the hotel, we're all joking with each other, right? He's like, bro, would I wake you up and call you? I was like, are you serious or you're still joking? I was like, cause I'm about to fall for this shit. And uh, yeah, he was serious. I guess uh, he had it during training camp. And then um, he did his two weeks quarantine and everything. He wasn't like, he wasn't sick sick, right? Where he was bad. Retested, did like, uh, cause I guess there's all these kind of tests you can take, right? I guess the most accurate one is the PCR test. 
So he took a couple PCR tests and he came out negative. I was like, all right, cool, we can train again. Started training again and then uh, life was good. Then we get here or we got to Vegas for the quarantine and he did his first test. And uh, yeah, I got the call, was like, yo, I'm negative, this and that, or I'm positive. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, you don't have it, dude. Like, tell him take another one. Like, maybe like it just had a bad read or something. You know, like they have the false positives and all that. So I was thinking, maybe you got a false positive, dude. Like, get another one if it's negative and you're negative. He's like, yeah, I, I told him about that, but he said, if I fly here to Abu Dhabi, and the test here in Abu Dhabi test positive. He has to be locked up somewhere in here for two weeks. Right. And I felt what it was locked up being here for two days. So I can't picture being locked up here for two weeks. Like, I can do it, but I wouldn't want, I'd probably, I'd sneak out the room or something. Yeah. Would you buy into what Henner said? I mean, it seemed like a strong message where he said, look, man, I, obviously I'd love to be in the corner, but the one thing that you definitely don't need is helping your jujitsu. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you buy that? Yeah. He knows it. I know it. Uh, when, when he's with me, it's more because you're, we started together, you know, when I was 13 years old. That's it. Sometimes he doesn't even need to talk. As long as you're there, I'm like, I just feel, it feels good to have a homie there, right? right. So you're like, bro, out of, out of this sport that I've done, I've known you the longest. So it just feels good to have a homie on the journey with you, right? But now it's like, all right, let's get to work. We're still working. Uh, maybe it'll make me better, you know? Who knows? This fight, obviously, everybody's excited about it, man. It's, there's been a journey to get here. Um, is it a grudge match for you? I mean, we know kind of what the history was and how it played out. Is this a, you know, kind of a, a, an emotional grudge match for you? No, man, not at all. Not at all. Um, I could see how it can be seen that way by my actions. But uh, it was, I think ultimately it was like, yo, we're talking too much. And uh, I'm starting to get pissed. And then now little people are chiming in and shit. So it's like, if you really want to go to war with me, this is the beginning. Like, I can get petty as fuck. Uh, I don't want to. It's unprofessional, right? As I'm sure all you guys know. I don't have to tell you. I should know, but... It's not the worst case that's happened in the UFC. No. Yeah, so... <laughs> so, yeah. But I think it was very clear. Kind of like, yo, let's, let's stop this shit. And let's just do what we started with. Which was... We started with a good, um, good start. The whole world had the eyes on us, and we didn't have to be the shit talkers or nothing. And then somehow along the way, he decided to go back to it. So I was like, "All right, man." Like, it's still yeah. a big fight, like you said, without any trash talk. Yeah, you, man. Like you have all, you have great finishes. You're on the streak. I have great finishes. I'm gonna come back. I'm hungry. This fight sells itself. Your style, my style, the way we collide. Uh, you know, Abu Dhabi, I hope, has good hospitals because we're both going to be in that shit by the end of the night. Um, but yeah, man, it's like, uh, there's no need. Trash talk or not, you know, like, I have nothing but bad intentions for him when, I, when we both get in there.
you know, this, this journey has been about you kind of returning and getting back and, and getting the passion again, that sort of thing. So knowing that, when you get in there, are you, are you thinking about rankings, where this puts me, does this give me another title shot? I mean, are you thinking about those things or is this more just about you getting back to you and your passion and your journey? Um, this was all about just kind of coming back taking a fight that's not easy, right? Because everyone knows something like this happens, they're like, oh, let's rebuild them again or do something. I was like, I don't need rebuilding in the fight world, I need rebuilding in the training world. I got my rebuilding in the training world. I go in the fight world, I, I'm in this sport to fight the best. That's, what I, that's why I love this shit, because it's like, yo, let's test your will against mine, let's test your chest pieces against mine, let's go to war. And ultimately, the fans win. Everyone wins. But for me, that 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 that's like a, I don't know why. Like I, fighters could tell you, but we love that shit. You know, we love going in there. You know, like we love testing our will against each other. We love fighting, and we get paid for it. You know, so it's like, this is beautiful. Last thing for so me, man. So for me, well, that's what it was. We'll say last thing for me, man. I mean, obviously, your last one out was was an absolute epic war, but you've had some. You know, dominating. It, it was a banger, well, man. So. Yeah. So what, what are we gonna see? I mean, when you play this one out, I mean, I, I can't imagine you want to put your body through that again. But it sure was one hell of a night. So what's what? What do you want to do? Do you want to go out there and have another kind of epic performance like that, or do you feel like you want to go and dominate somebody? Bro, I will take whatever I can get. Obviously, if I get a quick knockout, if I get a submission, the name of the game is to win. Um. Obviously, you can tell I'm emotional, right? So it might go to a war. I might piss my team off. Uh, well, fuck it. All right, so as you can see, I want to apologize first to everybody in the room. It did. It, it, uh, now. It ran 10 minutes. Just my section alone ran 10 minutes. Well, he speaks for a while. Thank you. That's what I want to say. I, as I was editing the audio and getting it ready, I thought, um, wow, I didn't mean to speak for 10 minutes. But I don't think I spoke for 10 minutes. I think if that was a conversation between me and you, for instance, yeah. we cover, we could have covered the same ground in about three minutes. So yeah. I do want to apologize if it seemed to anybody in the room that I was trying to steal the time. I think uh, everyone else in the room had given up on asking questions at that point. <laughs> That's a fair point, too. And, but, and I will say this, too. I um I do like to kind of spend a little bit more time talking to him because I do think he can feel a little prickly or feel like he's not interested, and I don't think that's the case. I've been around him enough that I can – because when you said, you know, the feedback, some people think he was being kind of a dick or whatever. That's one reason, too, I tried to ask probably a few more than I normally would just because I, I can see how for a lot of this international media, they'll never have stood in front of him before. Yeah. And kind of the way he answers questions sometimes might make you feel like – this guy's so disinterested in even speaking to me. Like, why am I even doing it? So, anyway, if just, anybody thought I was hogging the microphone or anything, I wanted to apologize. Don't you think that the the disinterest thing is kind of his pull, his like whole cool, too cool for school persona? And I think it's just who he is. I don't yeah. think he's making it up. No, 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 not persona. But I just, <laughs> I just think that's kind of fucking stoner vibe, you know. I agree. By the way, I did. Uh, I, I wanted to share the post interview actions with you. We we have to. Do you have sure, audio? <laughs> this is fantastic. So no, I don't. I don't have an audio recording, but I just wanted to. Add, so so after uh, <laughs> I asked him about Jay Park, which he is that was was that what prompted it? Yeah. So I said, you know, do you regret slapping the guy? Do you regret slapping the guy? He's like, I don't even know who got slapped. And I said, it was actually Jay Park that you slapped. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. then he said, oh, I don't know who that is. And then 
he sort of looked away and he went, I've got a case going on. I, was like, I don't think you meant to say you have a case going on if you have a case going on. So that was, that was the interaction that was on camera. But then as he gets off camera, he walks over to Oscar. I've been rocking this disgusting golden ring. Oscar has this <laughs> disgusting golden ring. It's, a, it's branded with the Mac Life. It's obviously it's his pride and joy, but he had yeah. taken it off. Because I imagine uh, typing, right? It makes it a little tough well, to type. Well, it's hard to something. lift my hand alone. It's so massive and bulky. <laughs> so he had this gold uh, ring sitting right next to his computer. And as, and as Brian walks by, he, he sees the gold ring just sitting on the table. And, you know, a man like him sees some gold sitting there. He wants to take a look at this gold. So he picks it up. And he's looking at the underside of the ring, basically. And he's like, is this real? And I believe you were like... I said, obviously not. <laughs> I said, I don't on your wage. Obviously not. And then at that point, Brian turns it over and sees the top of the <laughs> ring, which has the branding, the Mac Life, and immediately puts it down with such disgust in his face, dude. It's hilarious. Like, just literally, like, he didn't throw it. He wasn't disrespectful, but he, like, just get this Placed. out of my hand yeah. right now. Yeah, no, um, it was funny. I laughed because... I- I couldn't tell if that was sort of, uh, sorry for brushing your questions off, like, way lad banter, or if he just came over and be like, fuck you, dude, in front of everyone. Uh, so I, I kind of took it in my stride, but it was a bit, I, it's weird, because actually, as he got up and walked towards me, and sort of walked past me, I thought, I bet he said something to me, because my interaction with him was a bit sort of cheeky. Right, right. He knew I was trying to sort of get him to talk about Jay, and I think he knew that I knew he was trying not to. Right. So it was kind of a weird, little amusing sort of vibe and so I kind of knew he was going to say something I just didn't know he was going to fucking destroy me for my fashion sense <laughs> that was phenomenal alright listen so one other uh, thing that, that, that Brian did talk about in there is um, the fact that Henna Gracie is missing right which is interesting because we're talking about all this uh, reinvention we're talking about all this uh, having your mind in the right place and that sort of thing and of course I'm, I'm sure most people have seen by now Henner posted a message uh, before the start of this fight week saying listen I'm not going to be there and I've been saying all week that I thought what Henner said was on point about the fact of him saying, um, but listen, man, I'm not going to be there and it sucks, but if there's any place that Brian is fine in without me, it's jujitsu. He doesn't need jujitsu. Like, that's that's the one thing he doesn't need. And so to, for him to have his other coaches there is actually even better. So you heard what, what Brian had to say about it, but it was something that I wanted to ask, um, you know, some other experts and fighters about. And I had a chance to uh, to ask Daniel Cormier about it to get his thought. Obviously, Daniel Cormier is somebody else that you think about being tied to a, a team and a coach and, and what would change. And um, obviously a very, a very uh, smart guy. Uh, who uh, we'll talk more about Danny Cormier in a second, but let's let's get Danny Cormier's answer. Here's what he had to say about uh, Brian Ortega not having Henry Gracie in his corner. When you look at this this fight between Ortega and, and Zombie, where do you think it, it gets won? Like, what's the most key area that somebody has to dictate to win this fight? Honestly, I just when I look at the matchup between the two, right? Zombie has like a complete skill set, and so does Brian Ortega. But where Brian Ortega struggled with Max Holloway was when he was forced to stand. For an extended period of time. And I think that's the same type of situation he's going to find himself in with the zombie. He's got to get this fight to the ground. And if not for uh, keeping him there extended periods of time, he has to be able to mix it up. To make the Korean zombie not feel so comfortable on the feet. Because that dude's a handful too. Um, So ultimately, it's... I know Brian Ortega knocked out Frankie Edgar. And sometimes you fall in love with the hands. But for him, he needs to get this fight to the floor. Because if the zombie can stay standing, he's uh, he's very difficult. Yeah, we just found out the last couple of days, obviously that Henner can't make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a fighter's point of view, like how much difference can that make? I mean, I, I kind of like what Henner said, where he's like, dude, jujitsu, you got. That's you know a, I mean? that's that was the most 
I was on the plane with Brian Ortega over and we were talking and he was talking about his training camp and how well it went and how Hinner had his positive test weeks ago, right? But he's been kind of alternating positive and negative. And when you get to Vegas, if you're positive, you can't travel. It, it is what it is. But if there was one coach, and this is a mindset of Brian Ortega, right? If there's one coach that he had to go without, why? if it's the jiu-jitsu guy, he feels pretty confident. Because as we know, Brian Ortega is as talented a grappler as we have in the entire UFC. So um, tough for a team, but it's like me not having a wrestling coach going into a fight. Right. So it's uh, best of the worst case scenario. Does it change though? Because like, I, I get the feeling they're kind of like a mental relationship mm. too, right? I mean, does that change yeah. anything? Well, I mean, I just think that at this point, right, when you fall for a world championship, you know how to go fight, right? You, and and what's, what's normal? What's normal today, right? So to think that Brian Ortega is going into this fight and things don't feel normal. Well, he's fighting in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. There's a place called Fight Island that Brian Ortega is fighting a Korean zombie, right? So what's normal in 2020? So this is kind of par for the course for all the fighters that are fighting on these cards. If something gets dealt your way, all right, whatever. It's the way the world works today. All right, so if it gets signed off on by Daniel Cormier, I can buy into it, man. I think uh, I think it is right, man. And, and I loved what he said, you know, um, of course, if you – in an ideal world, could have Henry, you would, but ain't nothing ideal in a COVID world. I thought that was so great. Like, dude, if you if you can't deal with change right now, if you can't deal with abnormal circumstances, this is not the time for you to be competing. Yeah, this is the time you go and take a break for a little while. That's it. Um, and, dude, we're, we're, we're going to talk more about uh, Cormier later. Cormier, man, sat down with us for a good 27 minutes, man. If you want to see the full scrum, it's up on uh, MMA Junkie. It's up on the MMA Junkie YouTube page, I imagine. That was strong enough even to get on the Mac Life YouTube page, right? Because you guys don't publish everything. You guys are more looking for the high-level, yeah, yeah, big-ticket items. Yeah, yeah. We're, feed, just, we're feeding the hardcores, right? We got yeah, everything yeah, out there. Yeah, it's just different strategies. But I was going to say, DC, that, that had to be big enough even for you well, guys. Well, dude, Daniel Cormier is, I think, uh, we, we were just talking off-air, and I said that Daniel, I'd like to talk to Dana every week, and I'd like to talk to Cormier every week. I, f I find his mind for the game just fascinating i find him so funny yeah i think even now he's retired he's actually become more entertaining because he feels less inclined to really care about right. the things coming back at him yeah, yeah. I, it seems he doesn't uh, have to market an angle or anything like that he's just yeah well i remember when yan sort of shot when yan took a shot at him and stuff you know when when dan was an active competitor i think there was a fire in him he's like don't talk to me like that you know right. like he had back and forth with Corey anderson and people he was never really going to fight and now he's like why are they picking on me i don't get it so i, I really <laughs> uh, really enjoy uh Really enjoy coming in, and this isn't the first time I felt like this. I remember before his fight, his second fight with Stipe, he did a media day in Los Angeles, and I think I sat in front of him for 40 minutes, and I just was never not interested in what he had to oh, say. Oh man, it's always good. Guy. It was good. All right, uh, let's finish out on the main event here. Um, let's switch to let's switch to zombie now, right? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna start with this because this is great. Um, Eddie Cha was translating. Obviously, Zombie doesn't speak a lot of uh, English. He, he understands a little bit, but not enough. I think he would feel comfortable speaking on camera, uh, which I completely understand. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but there's no way in hell I'd speak on record, you know, that sort of thing. So he's got Eddie Cha, his coach, uh, doing his translating. Um, I'm not going to play a lot of the audio because uh, Eddie Cha is, is a great coach, and obviously the fact that he can translate is awesome. Now, the difference between a coach and someone who's paid to be a professional translator is that the professional translator will understand that they have to go from an international media scrum to a local media scrum to a... The, 
and basically Eddie was over it already. He's like, yes. we've been asked this so many times already. I'm like, okay, well, thanks. I haven't had a chance to speak to you yet, that sort of thing. And, and he was kind of interjecting his own thoughts. I'm not picking on him. He's just a, he's a coach. He's not just there to be a translator. For sure. But I had to play this little piece of audio, if for only reason, to just get a laugh out of Oscar. This is Oscar Willis doing his best <laughs> to get a headline from the Korean zombie. And, well, we'll see how it goes. I was interested, you know, obviously we know that at the beginning they were sort of friendly, then obviously the relationship between himself and Brian disintegrated. I was curious, what's his attitude towards Ortega now? 처음에 브라이언하고 사이가 좋았는데 그 다음에 조금 깨지고 그 다음에 지금은 사이가 어떻게 어떻냐? 인간적으로는 사람 사람으로서는 좋지 않지만 선수로서는 나는 아직도 브라이언을 존경하고 있고 그의 경기를 보면서 되게 뭐 멋있다고 생각했던 적도 되게 많았고 그 경기 개의 경기력만큼은 진짜라고 나는 생각을 하고 있어요. So as an individual, obviously he doesn't have, you know, they're not the, on the best of terms or anything like that. But as Brian Ortega, the fighter, he respects him to the utmost. Um, he's been a fan of him. Uh, all his fights he's watched and he was actually amazed by some of the things he's been able to accomplish. And so <clears throat> he's expecting that Brian Ortega as a fighter to, to step into that cage. I know it's sort of old history at this point, but can, can you pinpoint and clarify the exact moment where it, the respect for Brian as a person disappeared? Brian got 갑자기 인정을 안 하고 저기 사람은 안 좋아하는 게 정확하게 언제인지 기억해요. 3월 달부터 했죠. 뭐 그런 그일 있고 나서는 좀뭐 그런 선수 이런 실력 그런 MMA 파이팅 이런 스타일 이런 건 말고는 사람으로서는 조금 8월 달 아니었나? 박재무 때린 거. 음 그게 8월 달인가? 3월. 3월인가? 네. 그, 그래서 그 뒤로 뭐, 뭐 사과를 하고 뭐 이런 뭐 모르겠어요. 아무튼 방식이나 좀 자세하게 설명하시기 어렵지만 쉽게 그런... 말해서 그때 때린 다음에 네? 음. Um, we were kind of debating if it was in August or in March but basically just to make it easy it's after, obviously after the slap of Jay Park yeah, I mean, um, he kind of addressed that before that, you know, he, he thought the fans wanted to hear the trash talking. That was him. Nobody else was writing that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, a good friend of his and his, uh, his boss out there, um, you know, Jay Park, he got slapped. So obviously felt bad about it. He was pissed and angry about it. But I think that was a turning point of, of uh, the respect as an individual, you know. And last thing for me, does he have a theory as to why Brian's been out for so long? Brian, why did he come out for so long? What did he think about it? First, Brian got caught. Well, if I got caught, I don't know if I can get caught. He believes that I think Brian had a couple injuries and surgeries or something like that, but other than that, he would have no idea why he's been out that long. Award-nominated journalism. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you said it was an epic, uh, an I epic think, fail. I think I, I text you in the group saying that was actually picture-perfect example of how not to get a quote. <laughs> of no failing to get a, a juicy quote. Absolute crash and burn, man. It was fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the matchup. I mean, Zombie, of course, is the guy that that has been in form. Um, you know, when we did talk to him a little bit, you know, uh, it was kind of funny because. 
and, and it's it's fair. I mean, I brought up the fact that, hey, you've had to sit around for 11 months. Has this been tough? And he was like, uh, and I think I said a year. He was like, uh, or maybe I said 11 months. He said, he was like, said it's 10. He's 10. like 10. I'm like, oh, excuse me, sir. I apologize. That's right. I was adding in a few extra days. You're not then, counting the days at all, are you? And then he's like, oh, and by the way, his is 23. So how about that? So it was kind of funny. But, I mean, Zombie was funny. He came in and, and uh, was smiling a lot, was talking about his T-shirts and, and uh, said that Reebok uh, was stupid, which was yes. pretty funny. He did throw one word of English out, which is great. Um, he opened as a minus 210 favorite. It's come down a little bit, but not a whole lot. I think he's around a minus 190 as we sit here and record right now. Um, listen, Zombie's the favorite. I think most people that, that I've talked to believe that he should be. Um, certainly on the feet, uh, he's dangerous, and he's a lot more refined. I think it was actually Cormier – no, excuse me, it was Dan uh, Hardy – who made the comparisons uh, to like a Justin Gaethje making adjustments and that sort of thing to not being hit as much as he used to um, and being a little bit more you know technical and in, in, in how he works. Obviously, the jiu-jitsu is interesting. Um, Ortega certainly believes that on the ground he's better, but um, Zombie Look said, listen, uh, maybe I'd beat him in a grappling tournament too. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I won't. So um, he's pretty much the favorite going in. Um, you never know. T-City could reinvent himself, and I think I even probably – I think I homered a little bit and went with T-City on, on, yeah. on my staff picks. But, uh, but from somebody who doesn't uh, have a vested interest, what's, uh, what, what's your take on the matchup itself? Well, it's weird, right, because one of them shut down my questions and one of them fucked over my ring. So, <laughs> so I kind of don't for know who – two guys who failed to give you the headline <laughs> that you needed for the yeah, MacLife yeah. uh, YouTube page. I just don't know. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, – the more we, the closer we get, the more we analyze the fight. I think it could look a lot like Holloway Ortega. I think uh, Zombie has enough to sort of keep away from these crazy grappling grabs mm-hmm. that Ortega can do. And I believe on the feet, while Ortega is very powerful for his weight, certainly, and and very equipped to deal there, I think Zombie's uh, just output is very similar to Max's. And I think a lot of shots firing at Ortega who will eat them because he has the chin and the confidence in his chin to eat them. And I think it could end up looking quite similar. I don't think, in fact, you would argue that Zombie might have the output nearly at Holloway, but perhaps a bit more power than Holloway. So maybe he could be the guy. I know he's mentioned it, that he he could stop Ortega in that fashion or drop him at least. So I think it's going to look similar to the Holloway. I I think you unfortunately could be right. I I remember looking at the stats earlier in the week and, and seeing that I think Ortega speaking to the quality of his chin but also speaking to the, the the amount that he gets hit is like like absorbs the highest strikes like one of the highest strikes per minute ratios in all yeah. the UFC you know what i mean yeah. so and it's, and it, people the holloway fight is obviously the prime example of that but he's been tagged before by wing shots that appear not to hurt him but you know a guy's chin is good until it's not so that's it, boy, and I, I love seeing people come back from the first loss, though, and to see what kind of adjustments sure. are made and see how they handle things different. And it's, hey, listen, it's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. As you said, all of a sudden now maybe you don't have that confidence in your chin sure. anymore. All of a sudden now you know, ooh, there is a price to be paid here. You know, yeah. like I thought before, I could just walk through these things. So uh, anxious for this fight, man, for all the things that are around it. And like I said, not only is it just an intriguing fight, um, but it looks like a number one contender fight. So for me, the, the the beef between them means nothing to me at all. I'm just I'm just anxious to see this fight play out, and I'm anxious to find out the results. So, uh, listen, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. Make sure wherever you're listening that you're logged in. You take a moment to rate us, review us. Heck, just tell a friend about us. Uh, help, help, help the word spread. 
Um, I, I listen to uh, to Apple Podcasts, so if you're ever in there, log in, and I'd love to see your feedback there. Even if it's you know constructive criticism, we'll take that. Uh, but we'd like five stars and just tell us how great we are. That'd be the best. That's ideal. And if you really want to step your game into the next level, head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. we got a little community growing over there. And it is, of course, the exclusive home of the and a half episodes where we break down uh, everything that happened in post-fight shows every single week. There's a UFC event, which is basically every single week now. <laughs> uh, I think there's shows every week until Christmas. So uh, that's that's extra content for as little as $3 a month. That's like 75 cents a post-show, man. I mean, 75 cents a and a half. Jump in there. Shout out, by the way, to a new member from just recently, Vince Passarella and uh, Anders Holtberg as well. Shout out to both of you guys. Appreciate you joining us. All right. The co-main event that is not anymore, Anthony Elijah versus Cyril Gane, was canceled. Uh, literally canceled as we were sitting there waiting to talk to him for media yes. day, which was crazy. Um, uh, good for an Alan Murphy from over at uh, KSW and uh, some other European organizations. He's a European PR guy. He actually linked me to uh, Anthony's uh, Facebook page. And, and I'll just read it real quick so you don't have to go find it yourself because it's not real long. It's interesting. It says, uh, unfortunately, I will not debut in the UFC this weekend. My PFL contract formally expired on February 19, 2020, and there was a unilateral option from the PFL to extend my contract for two more seasons. However, since there's no season this year and I had not received any form of payments from PFL or any compensation, this became not an option for me. Unfortunately, PFL wrote a letter to the UFC earlier this week saying that I was still under contract with the PFL, but this, however, was not in accordance with the legal facts. My management team and my attorney pointed out the invalidity of the contract to the PFL. Unfortunately, the PFL ignored all legal letters and deliberately put obstacles in my way and took away my chance to fight in the UFC on Saturday. My management team has already instructed our lawyer to take the next legal steps, and we will be looking into what future steps we will be making. I am grateful for the opportunity that was given to me by the UFC. I look forward to clearing this matter up as soon as possible, and I'll be ready to take the fight as soon as possible. Um, I got to say, I'm a little surprised the PFL made this move. Now, I'm not saying that they're not within their legal rights to defend their contract, and me admitting I'm not a legal expert, but taking a step back and just thinking common sense, why would I make this move? Right. I'm assuming the PFL would make this move because there have been other fighters. I know Lance Palmer, who's a, a two-time champion, has been very vocal about, like, get me a fight or let me go. There have been a couple other people that have said, I want out of my contract. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that this is, you know, their effort to say, hey, we can't let this guy do it because then we've got to let other people do it and say that, you know, that it's okay. Now, they already had, like, Jeremy Kennedy, I believe, got out. And well, I was about to say, I, th I thought they did it. A while there's ago. been a couple, but I'm, what I'm guessing is that, you know, they went in and had some kind of negotiations and, and worked some kind of individual deal versus, I guess, maybe Antti didn't do what they felt was legally enough to do. But I completely understand his point of view. Like, look, you're saying you're extending me, but you extended me from February and haven't paid me a dollar. It's been eight yeah. months, and there's no promise of when – now, now, you say next season is happening, but we don't have a date yet. Like, I, on the one hand, I, I, I and, and listen, I like the guys over at PFL, so I'm not trying to paint them out to be all oh, these evil people. Yeah, I think I kind of understand what their motivation might be. But I just don't like the move, man. I mean, the guy's about to make his UFC debut. It's not like Anthony Delilah. On the island. Yeah, oh, yeah on Fight Island. Come but, on, but, man. I mean, he's here. Oh, no, like, he's he here, stopped yeah. him from, you know, days before. I, I don't get that. And, and, and again, again, and, and I don't mean, and I really don't mean this is any disrespect to Anthony Delilah, man. And by all accounts, a, a very good fighter. Um, but that, it's not like that's PFL star. Like, yeah. we can't let our, hey, we can't let our guy, you know, this yeah. isn't Kayla Harrison yeah. coming over here and saying, oh, to hell with your thing. Like, you haven't put any money into advertising this guy or building a brand around him. So, 
I think I legally understand why they're doing what they're doing, but I'm I'm not sure this is a solid move. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to promoter versus fighter, right? They have to do what's in the interest of their company, and I would imagine with the increasingly loud rumblings from fighters at PFL, there may be, while they might have let someone go, maybe they'd have let him go three weeks ago, maybe now they're starting to feel the heat and thinking we need to stop setting precedents for these other guys. So I assume, you have to assume that's what it is. Yep. I think it's so unfair to the fighter. I, I think, and you know, like you said, February, you, the, the, he's not on a lot of money. He needs to earn a living, man. And and in, especially in times like this and, and the opportunity that's here against a guy like Cyril who you know they're high on, especially with France legalizing MMA right. and stuff like that. It's a big opportunity for him to co-main event to a really anticipated main event to earn a, like a wage. I think it's really harsh. I think it's, it's, it's uh, I'll go as far as to say it's, I understand the legality reasons you do it. It's basically immoral. It's, yes. it's so unfair. I agree. I, I think it's, it's these guys, and then the same promoters will turn around and be like, well, these guys have a very finite window of opportunity and you just cost him Eight months. So true. And like I said, if it had been a, if it had been a guy or gal that you would cut a million dollar check to in course, December, yeah. then I would get it. Be like, hey, look, man, COVID nineteen. We didn't know it was coming, yeah. but we just gave you a million. I promise, we'll make it up to you next yeah. year. This is a guy who did, you know, fought once for you, and I mean, I just don't get it, man. I, I get it, but I don't get it. I don't think I, I I agree with you. I think I think you said it's right. It's it's not moral, man. It's it's not right to me. It may be legally right. You may yeah. be able to completely enforce that in a in a, in a court of law, but to me, it just Seems shitty. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. It's true. There you go. You know. Great point. Um, okay, so that elevates Jessica Andrade to Caitlin Trukagian to the co-main event. Um, interesting fight. I mean, the size difference between the two of them is going to be big. You know, it's meaningful in the division, of course, but, uh, you know, I always, always pause and just say, man, whenever you're picking 125-pound contenders, you're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're picking the next sacrificial lamb, you know? And I, did, I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed Chukagian sort of just – Shitting on everyone. <laughs> that was hilarious, man. Basically, yeah, Chikagian was asked, you know, hey, man, well, what do you think? I mean, is there anybody else out there that can beat Shevchenko? She was like, no. Yeah. Like, she, she thought about it for a second. She was like, no. And they said, really. do, you, do you think Jennifer Meyer is going to pose much threat? No, actually, I think her striking's <laughs> pretty bad. I don't think her grappling's that good. I think, yeah, no. She really shit on them. I was like, good gosh. <laughs> like, there's nobody out there. Like, well, but, hey, you know what? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it will be interesting. The, I think the matchup is going to be interesting between her and Andrade. Andrade moving back up to 125 was in great spirits because she didn't have to cut that extra 10 pounds. Does have the power, but will it translate to 125? I mean, she was powerful enough at 35, but not as powerful, of course, as she was at 15. Um, the, the visual size difference between them will be pretty interesting. I think it was Chukagian that pointed out the, the size difference. The, the height difference between her and Andrade is the same difference in the opposite direction as it would be between Caitlin and John Jones. She said it would be like if I was fighting John Jones. Like, whoa, that's crazy. So, um, you know, interesting interesting co-main event. Um, maybe not immediate title implications or anything like that, but but interesting nonetheless. Uh, Modeskis Bukaskis and Jimmy Crute could be a banger. I think mm-hmm. it could be a lot of fun, man. A lot of, uh, you know um, – Crute, by the way, kind of low-key savage, right? You know, we're like, oh, why haven't you fought in so long? He's like, ah, I couldn't get me a fight. You know, it's been tough, but I finally got this one. Like, ah, but did you want to fight Modeskis? I mean, a respectable guy, but, you know, he's just come up the ranks. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's like, I'll fight anybody. I mean, whoever I take. But so why did it take so long? I don't know. He was supposed to fight me back in June. He wouldn't take it. (laughs) (laughs) I've been in a van for months. (laughs) He's like just beating around the bush the whole time. Like, oh, I'll fight anybody. I don't mind fighting this guy. Then finally gets the end, like, he was offered me and he turned me down and now they're making him fight me. So how about that? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, look, two exciting. I would say both prospects.
strikes me. No disrespect to Jimmy Crude. I know he's been around a little bit longer, but I don't see him as a contender just yet. No, he's, no, no. he's got more, uh, you know, more accomplishments in the UFC than Modestus does. But uh, and I like Modestus. What what a great guy he is in terms of personality, right? He talks about his time on the dating show, and uh, <laughs> he's just a good dude. And then the main card kicks off with Thomas Almeida versus Jonathan Martinez, which uh, could be an absolute banger as well. Um, I think stylistically it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, Jonathan Martinez stepping in on short notice. Uh, one of my favorite dudes on the planet because he is so afraid to speak to <laughs> yeah. us. Like, it is a literal fear. Like Shaking. Shaking. Like, you think Hannah Cyphers is bad. Like, he's even worse, yeah. man. Like, he's scared to talk. And I thought we'd lighten him up a little bit because DC, by the way, had kind of let it slip. That Like, he, they had seen some old, like, street fighting videos and stuff. And we were like... Him? Yeah. Street fighting yeah. videos? They're like, yeah, dude, this dude was like Masvidal out there. We're like, what? So I figured, you know, knowing that Jonathan is scared to death to speak to us, I'm like, we'll soften him up with those a little bit and yeah. get, him, get him to bite in a little bit. I, I don't know if that was the right take or not because he looked immediately kind of just like, what? Well, I think you could have said hello and he'd have done the same thing. So, <laughs> but he, it is very amusing to see the sort of uh, the contrast between a guy who's visibly – terrified of talking to you about it but also think yeah like so I kicked him in his fucking face and like <laughs> he fucking passed out and no no one fucks me ever again he's <laughs> like what so great man he's awesome and then Thomas Tomato of course who man a guy that was making waves in the division and then has had you know injuries and, and deals been out for a couple years um, anxious to make his comeback and oh by the way while he was away learned how to speak English became a professor of English it seems <laughs> He used to, I mean, he always had a little bit of English, but it was that, you know, hey, thank you for trying. This yeah, is yeah. good. At least I have some, but I, it's not that great. Like, yeah. I don't really want to put this on, like, a Twitter clip or something like yes, that. Yeah, yeah. Now he's, man, he's he's out there. He's out there cutting monologues. He's incredible. I'm telling you, this this main card, I, I think the main card is going to be entertaining. I think, you know, I think we talked about the structure of the card going in. Andraj Chukagian is a much more um, relevant fight in terms of rankings than Gane and, and Elijah would have been. But I think they knew that Ante and, uh, uh, and Cyril fight was going to end in something like spectacular, like something. Yeah. Whereas Andrade and Chikagian could very well fight 15 minutes. And then they wanted to get into that main event. But as it stands right now, um, it's fantastic. And I think there were reports that Kraus and Silva is getting bumped to the main card, which is a is, is a great fight also. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong there. As far as the prelims, not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but uh, I will say I am most excited and, and – I imagine I'm probably alone here, but I'm just going to put this on everybody's radar. Uh, Mateus Gamrot versus Guram Kutataladze. Um, tough names to spell, tough names to say. I get it. <laughs> uh, Mateus Gamrot, though, undefeated, former KSW champ, um, has a lot of promise, has widely been regarded as one of the top prospects in yeah. all of Europe, and this guy is making his way over there. Meanwhile, uh, Guram Kutataladze also has an impressive record. Uh, Georgian, I believe, is his background, and uh, a training partner of Hamzat Shimaev. Obviously, um, anybody associated with Hamzat Shemaev is going to be getting a little bit of a rub from them these days. And, of course, the, mm. the Georgian, the list of Georgian fighters that are, that are starting to make their name Pop -pop, and yeah. getting some, some ballers. So, um, like I said, James Krause, of course, stepping in on short notice um, is it, fantastic. But I believe that's on the main card now. Uh, Pollyanna Botello and Jillian Robertson, who everybody knows I have a soft spot in my heart for Jillian Robertson, just because I love, I love her game. <laughs> And I love that she just punctuates every sentence with a <laughs> – <laughs> I love that about her. And I love the fact that, you know, this tiny little 25-year-old girl with the, the bright red hair walks out to 
P-I-M-P, dude. Close. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great walk-in song. So uh, anything else stand out to you or, or some of those names? I mean, I, look, again, you know, on these Fight Island cards, of course, we get some of these foreign fighters, these foreign prospects that maybe not everybody's as familiar with. Um, but, you know, there, there could be some fun ones on here. Yeah, like you said, I, I, Gamrot is a guy who has a lot of potential. And for fans who might think his, uh, his name sounds familiar but can't quite place him, he's the guy who had a, a trilogy with Norman Park in Good KSW. Point. That's yep. how I knew of him because yep. uh, I sort of knew Norman. So I'm interested to see how he does. Um, I think that, that Silver James Krause fight is probably going to be really fun. And it, it, if they did move that up to the, the main card, I, that's a great way to kick things off if that's what they want to do. Yep. I, I, that's the one I sort of, you know... A little bit like last week, name value, stuff like that. It's fair to say it's not completely round to the top, but I think just like last week, there's a lot of great matchups here. Oh, you know, John Phillips is never in a boring yeah, fight. Yeah, so I'd say John Phillips, for better or worse, is never in a boring fight. Jamie Malarkey, remember, he had that debut against Brad Riddell, that absolute war that that was out there. Uh, John Gooden was all over the Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Mark Striegel fight, you know, a couple yeah. of combat sambo veterans. So um, I, I think it could be it could be a fun card all the way around. I mean, definitely top-heavy in terms of what matters the most. But overall, like you said, very much like last week, it could be a card where we're like, "Damn, that was just a fun night of fights." I think so. I think I, I think I'm going to commend the UFC at the moment in this pandemic era for for all the um, crazy twists and turns. Their matchmaking seems to be really solid mm-hmm. because every time, even if I've gone to the Apex and, and and perhaps been a little bit underwhelmed of the the card in front of me, I feel like it's rare that I'm seeing an absolutely shit fight. Correct. They're always competitive. Yep. They're always entertaining, uh, um, for the most part. I mean, but I think, without naming any names, you can look at other promotions who have tried to go in this, and their matchmaking has often left me cold and alone <laughs> in my room. Well, listen. I mean, I think it's understandable. I mean, uh, w- w- that stat we talked about last week, I believe, where we're in the stretch of like 32 consecutive yeah. UFC weeks. You know, and I feel everyone. And, John. I know, and you've literally been to every single one. I've missed a couple of furlough. I mean, obviously, I've watched them on TV, but. Um, but I haven't had to you know, be there covering them because of furloughs. But, and then you add in the Contender Series 2, and as much as we love it, it's just, it just gets fatiguing mentally, if, if nothing else. They're just keeping all the cards straight and all that. Um, but you're right, man. They still continue to deliver. So, um, All right, in terms of general news and notes, uh, hopefully we'll be able to deliver a lot more on the and a half this week. But since we haven't seen Dana White in two weeks, uh, yeah, two weeks out here in Fight Island, we haven't had Dana White. But uh, luckily, our good friends Kevin Ioli and Brett Okamoto were both able to get a hold of yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, come <laughs> couple of things that got out there. Uh, first of all, I, I know you're always kind of limited in what you can say about Conor McGregor. Obviously, it is your, your outlet. Um, but big news. He's saying, look, you know, that, that January date with Dustin Poirier, I'm in. I yeah. want to do it. Uh, you know, originally he was saying it's got to be 2020. It's 2020 or bust. Um, now he's saying, you know what, I'm in for it. Uh, let's do it. Um, did add the caveat that he wants it to be at Texas Stadium. I swear to God, I pray that is not a deal breaker because I'm not so sure that'll happen. Now – I'd love to see it there. Uh, AT&T Stadium is the exact name, by the way. Texas Stadium was where the Cowboys played when I was eight years old. Wow. Uh, AT&T Stadium is where they play now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, listen, I'd love to see it. Obviously, it's my hometown. I'd love to see it. Uh, and Texas is allowing crowds to some degree. I just wonder where that falls. Like, I cannot imagine the UFC because they. How long we've been talking? Mean, we've been talking about doing that stadium that used to yeah, be called yeah. Dallas Cowboys <laughs> Stadium since like Brock and Fedor, right? Like yeah. that was the initial plan. Can you imagine? I mean, Jerry Jones, of course he would love to see Conor McGregor in there. Man, of course the UFC would love to go in there. But can you go in there with a 
25% capacity or 50%. Now, the great thing, here's what's crazy. You could go in there with a 50% capacity, and it would still be 50,000 <laughs> people. So it does kind of work. I mean, you still have a lot of people, but I'm assuming the 50,000 would have to be like – spaced a little bit like yeah. i don't think you could be like okay look we all go down to the lower bowl and we just leave all that open yeah. you know so i think it would visually look weird. i mean i think it would still make a ton of money they do uh, they could absolutely do it they could absolutely do it i just think the visual I, I can't imagine that's the visual the ufc has been waiting on all these years it's just so hard to know right and i agree with what you're saying that i'm sure that's not how dana white pictures their big out outing at the uh not the Texas Stadium, the other one. <laughs> AT&T. AT&T Stadium. But it, it's so hard. You know, fans here next week. I just, they keep talking about the election, you know, how the US election is really the only reason there's a pandemic. <laughs> um, but you just don't, I just. Just got a couple weeks left. I just, yes. I just think, and then these masks no are gone. Masks. But I just think, you know, it, it, imagine if they came out with a vaccine in December, then maybe it could work. I don't know. I don't know if it's a deal breaker. I don't know anything. I, it was yeah, yeah. the first I'd heard that he was interested in that stuff. But it's exciting, right? It's exciting to see that he's at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen. Uh, Conor McGregor fighting is, is him, him, you know, maybe his reputation among some people has sort of changed over the years. I think Conor McGregor fighting is just, in general, good for the sport. It's good for the sport. It's good for the Mac life. If, is it? Well, have, <laughs> do you know, John, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought about how... Imagine, Con- I imagine if you guys worked it, man, you could probably get some decent access. Do you know, I hadn't thought about how Conor McGregor fighting would affect my own career. You know, it really hadn't occurred to me. No, and one thing as well I'm quite happy to see is Poirier is a great fight. And I think yeah. Poirier has... It's the one I've been wanting to see. Yeah, and I, I think it's a real sort of statement. And I think Poirier himself has become one of the most beloved I think before the Cowboy fight everyone said oh I, I like this Connor you know just a chill guy sort mm-hmm. of nice to be here and it's nice to see his dynamic with Cowboy to see that again and the whole the good fight thing that, that I love that and I love and, and, and I imagine he's going to stand up to where he says I'm still going to donate that because yeah. for him to say that after okay charity's not going to happen but I'm still going to donate that 500k and then Poirier saying, yeah, me and Cormier are going to partner up and we're going to do go down to Lafayette where we grew up and we're going to open yeah. this center where in order to get training, you have to have good grades. That's yeah. how you pay for it. I'm like, holy God. I mean, can you ask for a better like story yeah, around it? How I cool do, is that? Yeah, I really like that. And I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, Conor doesn't have that many rematches, obviously Diaz and stuff, mm-hmm. but I think uh, it's an interesting fight. Stylistically, it's an interesting fight with the weight difference yep. and, and stuff. But I like the fact that they there's no beef at all, and it's quite clear they both kind of enjoy each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that when that happens in fighting. What about uh, the weight? Does the weight matter to you? I think it's interesting. It'll be a conversation. When Conor fights, as it was against Cowboy, it's almost so high profile that everything is a conversation piece. Right, right. So is it 170? Is it 155? Massive conversation. You know, yeah, yeah. Before Mayweather, the gloves the are gloves, a massive yeah. thing. Um, I think it does have some... It does have some uh, side effects for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the big conversation going into this is: can Dustin take a better shot at one fifty five, or was the other guys he was fighting at one fifty five just didn't hit him as clean as Connor did? You know, so it's a it's an interesting thing. It's kind of one of those ones, though. I guess, and I guess the only reason it would kind of matters if you're talking about title pictures. But obviously, Connor is such a big star. Like, I, I just I've said it a million times. So it's not like I'm shocking anybody. Connor can insert himself into any title picture he wants if he says, "You know what, man? The Stipe guy's really been getting on my nerves lately. <laughs> we we got to at least talk about it, right? You hey, know what I mean? He was calling like, Daniel Cormier a fool like not long ago. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, obviously that's kind of a joking extreme, but you know, I don't think you know a, a win at 170 precludes Connor from challenging for a title at 155. 
Especially if it was Habib's title. Now Habib's made that clear. It's probably not going to happen. And then what happens in the 170 pound title division? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, so you never know. Like, so I, I kind, you know what? I kind of think 170. I mean, I think they both admitted like it's a lot easier for us to make 170. You don't have to, you know, deal with it. Although I do like the idea of both of them being in tip top peak yeah. condition. Can't, you know, can't cut any corners, that sort of thing. So yeah. uh, I love the idea. I'm just my my fingers are crossed that the Texas Stadium thing is not a deal breaker because I'd love to see it. Um, but I just – again, it's the unpredictability of the whole situation. As you said, if we get a vaccine and they can fill that thing, I think Connor can fill that thing. You know, and I think I Connor Poirier can fill that thing. As one of the first events back where you can safely gather people as well, it would be almost a statement, wouldn't it? It would be a statement, man. And and then, you know, Dana wants to be the first sport back in, in the U.S. and stuff – we're kind of, hey, we were the hey, we were the first sport back. Period. Now we're the first sport back with a sold out, you know, yeah. Cowboy Stadium. Well, I mean, there've been fans, but you know, we're not going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right, we'll see how that plays out. Um, also, by the way, uh, and this is not coming through any of those uh, interviews that we said because. I don't want to get into it. Uh, Israel Adesanya, news coming out that uh, I guess he's uh, Eugene Behrman has admitted. Look, hey. The fight we're looking for now is is not in 2020, which I, you know I think Israel had said I want to fight again before the end of the year. Now yeah. they're saying no, maybe not so much. So I, I literally this article was on my screen right before we started recording, so I, I was kind of reading it um, while we we're doing this. But essentially, Eugene Barryman spoke to One News down in New Zealand, which I think is like a sort of um, a citywide. It seems like a big sort of professional daily news thing, um, and he says the no reason. Disrespect, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, what was that thing Connor once said? Like, you go, like, Sid and Lucy and the fuck knows a clock show in the morning. I was like, I can't remember what you said ages ago. But no, so it says, Israel Adesanya wanted to fight on December 12th against the winner of Cannoneer Whitaker. Right. But Junior Fa, his training partner, has a fight, I guess, the, on December 11th in New Zealand. Okay. And so he's the one who needs Barryman's attention. Right. And Israel said, it's the biggest fight of Far's career, so I will not fight on December 12th, so he can use the, your coach's attention. Wow. Because uh, that's the team. So he said Israel wanted to fight on that date, but he's happy to put that aside and let Junior take that, de- take that date instead so we can focus on him. So, quote... Junior is someone who's helped Israel throughout his whole UFC career. He's been there. They've done rounds together. Without hesitation, Israel has stepped aside. Now, the consequences of that is he would like to return early next year. February Fight Island seems to be the logical position. That's not what's said in the article, but that's what I'm saying. And then the quote is, Cannoneer was the option for this year, but we've taken that option off the table, Barryman said. Now we want to fight next year, and our preferred fight next year is at light heavyweight. He then said... Uh, while it's not guaranteed they can demand a title shot, Jan Blaukovic, the champion, is their preferred option. If we have to push it to next year, our preferred option, the fight we are going to try and negotiate to the best of our ability, is going to be at £205 for the title. All right, so if you don't know who Junior Fah is, by the way, he's a 19-0 undefeated professional boxer. and He is uh, heavyweight, I should say, and he's slated to fight Joseph Parker on that date that you mentioned. So if you're thinking... Come on, this is just some ruse. Like, no. who and Joseph Park is a very big deal. In very, very big deal. So if, so if you're thinking, like, what is this ruse? Like, some random guy in their camp that they, they, they can't get rid of Barryman. That, that does make sense, right? That would be the only probably one that they that they do in that camp. Okay, uh, so that so that makes that, to me, a very real claim, not, not posturing. Yeah. Okay, now, this gets interesting to me because... Two weeks ago on this very podcast, John... You, you laid out the scenario. You laid out the scenario. We talked about the fact that, man... What if he went after Jan Blachowicz, and what does that do to lure this John Jones fight in that continues to 
thankfully calmed down a little bit. Yeah. Thankfully. Well, he's out of quarantine now. <laughs> he's he's right. got some, that is fair. I guess that's probably one thing that we should have cut him some slack because I was kind of a little bit upset at how much he was going at John Jones. But then when you realize, like, Homeboy ain't got nothing else to do. I mean, I'm sure he's got, like, a video game system yeah, yeah, he's yeah. playing and stuff, but, like, you can only do so much of that. Yeah, he's out of quarantine now, so he can actually have a real life. So maybe that'll slow down the, the back and forth between them. Um, but, man, when you start laying out the scenario, I mean, you, you did. You laid it out. You laid out this very scenario, and it, I won't say it seemed far-fetched because it didn't, but I just felt like, you know, he had said the Cannoneer fight means more to me right now. Um, but now with things playing out the way they are, man, I got to say – it's interesting. It's interesting. John Jones is going on runs now and not lifting any weights for the next few months. I'm telling you. He's got, I mean, if you're John Jones, you got all the money in the world. You're not, you're not doing it for money anymore. I mean, I know you, you said you want, you know, $30 million to fight or whatever, well, but you're not doing it for money. You got money. You basically said you'll quit fighting if you have to. Why not sit around and just wait? Well, dude, he's sitting around until July anyway because they're doing steep aim. Versus Francis first. That's right. So he's going to be sitting out anyway. So let, let Izzy fight Jan in February. Dude, Take your pick. John is in the best position for someone who has fucked up so many times in his career. He has the choice of a super fight with Israel or a super fight with either Ngannou or Stipe. All three of which are absolutely massive. Absolutely. I got to think... I still think, and I mean, no disrespect to Stipe, I still think Ngannou's bigger than Stipe. I agree. But but even if but Stipe now, beat Ngannou yeah, again... Yeah, yeah. Man, that's a massive fight. I think it probably... That's true. I, I don't know who's bigger, Ngannou or Izzy, because the, the, it's the spectacle of Ngannou, right? Right. But the beef with Izzy. Oh, what a position <laughs> to be in, dude. What a position to be in. Boy, that's such an interesting question. All right. Which is the bigger fight? You're John Jones, Ngannou... I know, walks, which, I know which one I think he's taking. Ngannou but. walks through Stipe. Just, just destroys him. Walks through him. Or, okay, actually, let's lay out three scenarios. Nganu walks through steep base, so you start going, maybe, maybe that dude is pretty badass. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Nganu wins a boring, again, I don't know how this happens, but Nganu wins a boring decision over steep <laughs> Maybe you go, ah, oh, I see all the flaws. I see all the, yeah. the, you know. And granted, John Jones and elite level professional athletes think a lot differently than we do. Me, I'm looking for the path of least resistance. You know what I mean? But yeah. all right. So scary Nganu, boring Nganu, or Izzy. And you said you think you know which way he's leaning. I would say it's Izzy, right? Because the dude has gotten under his skin at this point. I think it's Izzy for that. And I believe John looks at Ngannou and looks at Izzy. And I think John believes he, whether he can or can't, I believe John thinks he smashes Israel. Because he believes he's physically superior. Super big. Much bigger. Especially now. I think he looks at Israel and thinks, I can destroy this kid. Right. I think John has to look at Ngannou. And we, we spoke about, funny enough, their personality differences. I think John looks at Israel as sort of a weak guy. I right. think just from his what people yep. see as effeminate. I think where he looks at Ngannou is like Mr. Muscular and Mr. Right. Masculine. I agree. So I believe John would look at Ngannou as like, "Whoa, this one's gonna be. Let's get it." And then Israel is gonna fucking beat this guy. Then so why not? It. Yeah, why not? Why not wax Izzy real quick and yeah. then I'll get this thing on with Ngannou. Yeah. Well, I agree. And dude, it's I, I tell you what, man, that's dangerous because Izzy is so tactically brilliant man and plus dude Israel's main objective fucking main attribute is speed yeah when did John look his slowest after he packed on all that muscle and fought OSP yep and then he he didn't look great against Anthony Smith he didn't look great against Santos he arguably lost to Reyes if I was Israel Adesanya I'd be like yeah boy (laughs) I know as I sit here and think about it I can't like I always say I don't know how you ever pick against John Jones but I don't know, man. Without Asanya, that might be the guy. 
that might be the guy. As crazy as that sounds, the the the, the what, skinny clown. Moving how up. big a star is that kid if he beats John Jones? Holy shit, dude! And then you know, it's funny, right? Because so many people in the sports history and stuff have established legacies, and because Israel's so new, but his age is still like he's in his he's in his thirties. Mm-hmm. But Israel's also, I'm going to be remembered as the goat. I'm going to be remembered as the goat. And it's funny when people talk like that. I'm going to be like, you'll probably be remembered as one of them. But John Jones or George is the goat, and they're going to be the goat forever in my right. head. Like John, I just feel like is the goat, right? Or is perceived as the goat. I agree. I prefer GSP. I think GSP. Like, I'd argue him, but I I think ma- mainstream John's. So I always thought Israel's never going to be perceived as a goat, no matter what he does. But if he beats him and then reigns two divisions, because Israel is not big. He's weighs in at 183 every time, probably on purpose. (laughs) Probably just just because he's been laying this out the whole time. Yeah, so he'll probably weigh in at 203. You know, (laughs) he can easily go to light heavyweight and go back down. So he could go up, beat Yan, beat John, fight Kananir. By the way, I just got a text message from Jan Bolthold. He said, fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah by the way that's no yeah, yeah. <laughs> quick put put the sauce back in the bottle yeah I mean Jan Jan can yeah Jan's great Jan's big too <laughs> oh it's great man well listen lots of interesting we weren't excited about that at all guys sorry we, about that we, we just either could have happened I mean, maybe, no it, maybe it happens maybe it doesn't dude, why are we talking about fights that aren't even happening right yeah, now yeah dude it's not even booked yet uh, alright well listen uh, hopefully we get to talk to Dana White about this, this weekend we're, we're hoping that after two weeks away that he'll uh, spend some time talking to us uh, listen uh, I, I don't want to go incredibly long this week um, I'm going to be honest I don't know when this is going to get posted uh, I'm assuming it will uh, we 290 consecutive weeks without fail. We have uh, we have gone to air every single week without fail, and I've always been proud of that. And I think we'll get this up at some point, but I do need Cold Coffee's help to do it. Um, and Cold Coffee is going through some absolute shit right now. And uh, I haven't even talked to you about it, uh, Oscar. I'll talk to you about it off the air because uh, I didn't want to uh, to ruin the vibe as we sat down to speak. But um, if you guys know Cold Coffee personally. Um, or you're part of our Patreon page and you just want to send him a little love, little thoughts. Uh, he is okay right now. Um, he's physically okay, but he's going through some absolute shit. Uh, and there's no other way for me to put it. So um, I'll just bring the vibe down at the end of the show instead of the beginning. But just send some some positive thoughts his way, man, because he needs it. And, and we love you, man. We do. We absolutely. miss you. Definitely, man. Looking forward to seeing him again, man. I, I'm anxious to get back. And uh, as always, we appreciate his help in putting this together. And for everybody else, thanks for listening. 